It's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM. And guess what? It's time to talk technology. You're welcome to City Trends. On the show today, we are going to be having a conversation around what it means to send your tech business outside the shores of Ghana. It is not every day that you can get to do it, but when you do it, what are some of the things that you should look out for? What are the decisions that you should be considering when you are ready to make that move? And then also, what are some of the shocks that potentially will meet you and how do you work your way around it? Um, is one guy who has been um, a very long-standing um, affiliate of the show um, has done that and has succeeded in, in setting his footprints in a faraway land, as we like to see in our storybooks. And I, he has he joins us today to share his thoughts and his experiences on the show and um, to give us some perspectives about what it means to take your business from local to global, and um, in this sense, from Ghana all the way to Dakar. Cecil Nusako um, is my guest on the show today, and he's going to be telling us about how he moved e-campus from Ghana to Dakar, and some of the lessons that he picked along the way. Cecil, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making time um, to share some of these um, pointers with us today. Ah, oh, Philip. Bonsoir. Je m'appelle Cécile. Je suis le fondateur de eCampus. Uh, eCampus aide les apprenants à apprendre plus, plus intelligemment um, à déjeuner employable uh, afin de prospérer. <laughs> I wonder which part of that actually translates into actual French and which part zone. It's my wow. own French. Eh? <laughs> and then all I was trying to say, all I was trying to say is good evening. My name is Cecil. I'm the founder at eCampus. And eCampus help learners learn smarter, become employable, and attain prosperity. It sounds so complicated, right? I know in, in French that everything is how, sounds complicated. That is how complicated it's been trying to establish Francophone. <laughs> so I mean, you know, oh, I man. think I think I think it's it's only fair that we start off with congratulations. Um setting up in um Dakar. Um tell us about what 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 explain to us what that means when we, we say that eCampus is now available in Dakar. Ex- explain to us what that move means. All right, so it's it's been something long time coming. Um, Entering the Francophone market has always been a desire we've had. And to put in perspective, uh, in 2015, when we first released the first version of eCampus, we released it in seven languages. Amharic for the Ethiopian market, Arabic, uh, English, French, Portuguese, Spanish, and Swahili. 
Now, after 10 months, we noticed we only had content in English. So it didn't make sense for people in those jurisdictions to have their app in those languages and then content in English. So we discontinued all the languages. Uh, six years down the line, we are back here in Dakar and now French makes sense. What this means is that your startup is becoming a multinational, multilingual, and multi-currency business. It requires that you begin to understand different markets. You begin to understand the regulations in those markets. You also begin to find talents that can help you grow the business in those markets. Another perspective, uh, Facebook, for example, blew out of proportion when they started localization in different languages. Their growth 10 x just because they started adding new languages to Facebook and not English. So by comparison, what this is going to do for e-campus is that all of a sudden, there are another 300 million French-speaking people on this continent who can then use e-campus to learn smarter, become employable, and attain prosperity. And of course, that means your valuation changes, that means your revenues changes, and then that also means what your team grows and then you're providing more than just content that is relevant to your home country. And for that matter, you know, it's more work. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it has to be. It has to be more, it has to be more work. But I'm I'm also now wondering, you know, all those moments, all those times um trying to pitch in the country, trying to get stakeholders on board and things like that. What what was that stakeholder consultation period like? And what were some of your biggest lessons that you learned? Um, you know, because obviously when you're starting off in Ghana, there was a bit of stakeholder conversation, uh, conversation that went on before. But then obviously moving into a different territory, it, it, it brings along its own unique um, experiences. What was that stakeholder conversation process like um, before you moved um, to Dakar? So what happened was that we, we felt that we could just come into the Francophone space and then translate whatever we have, and then magically it should work. Uh, that wasn't the case. Mm. Uh, not just a matter of language. Uh, it's, it's much more than that. There is a system here. There is a way things are done here. And especially being in the education space, that's very critical. Uh, their curriculum is different. Their, their grading systems are different. Their value, the place on education is completely different compared to Anglophone. And then even their structures in terms of like the likes of, we have WIAC, we have the Nest and Midwife Council, we have the Medical Council. All those structures here are completely different and they see things differently. So what really happened was to get here and then start all over again. Don't, we didn't come here. I think that was one of the great things we, we adopted, that helped us. We didn't come here thinking, oh, we're good in Ghana, so copy and paste, no. We came here and started the whole process from first principles. Understand the market, what is here? How do they perceive online learning? 
what are the device challenges? What is the electricity situation? What is the internet situation? What do parents think about their kids being online? How effective do people value online certifications or knowledge you acquired online? So it's like doing the whole e-campus thing <laughs> all over again. But of course, we've done this in Ghana since what? 2015, officially. So we know a few things that won't work. So here we moved a bit faster by avoiding the same mistakes. So what we did immediately getting here was to start talking to people. Uh, we moved into the university, the oldest university here. Uh, it's called Université Chande Anta Diop, uh, or the university, <laughs> or Chante Anta Diop University of Dakar, right? Uh, it was established in 1957, you now one of the very oldest. Uh, the next university after that was in 1993, so you can imagine. Uh, we went there, spent two days just interviewing students, teachers, no, any random person to try and understand the value of education, what it means to be in a university, what are the challenges from primary school all the way to getting to university and what they would want to see different. That gave us a whole different understanding of the market here. Another thing we also did was to engage with uh, women's group. So, you know, in Ghana, we have these women groups who they meet maybe once a month. They sew, they, 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 they sew dresses with the same fabric. I don't know if you've experienced those things in Ghana. You know, they have the same fabric and they sew the same dress and they meet and they discuss domestic issues and other issues. Uh, we engaged with those women groups here and they gave us a lot of insights. Uh, this is a society where they are predominantly uh, Muslim or Islam and then polygamy is okay. Uh, so women tend to be the ones making the decisions. They call the shots. They, they, they are the ones who make sure the children get the right education. They do the assignments. They are the ones who take care of the home and all of that. So if you could give that woman a tool that will reduce the burden on them in keeping track of the educational outcome of that kid, they will gladly want it and then communicate to the husband or the fathers to make the subscription payments. So those little things, the unorthodox approach really helped us to understand the market, the pain points around education, and then tweak our existing product to fit this market so we could get going quickly. So those are some of the things uh, we, we did. Then, then and obviously a lot of work on the ground and I'm guessing a lot of lessons as well picked up um, over, over, over the period while, while you were there. And I'm guessing that's why it took so long before all of this came to fruition. But quite moving, moving a, a step away from that, and we've talked about the stakeholder conversation, but we also know that it obviously would involve quite a bit of money, airfares and things like that. Um, <laughs> can, you, can you talk to us about the money side of, of, <laughs> of, of moving your business to a new... Um, 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 a new country or a new territory? So I'll, 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 I'll generalize it. <laughs> I'll generalize it in three things, right? We are all familiar with uh, 
like getting into new territories. We're familiar with the concept of language barrier. We are familiar with the concept of culture shock. But what I learned, which <clears throat> I wasn't familiar with, and then I had to create a new word for it, is currency dementia. Yes, currency mm. dementia is my mm. own word. That's something I realized. So you come tell into, us about it. So you come into, we came into Dakar. Uh, the good thing is because the Francophone, our uh, Francophone brothers and sisters have the same currency, CIFA, right? So you come into Dakar and 10,000 CIFA uh, will get you two meals, like maybe two bowls of a meal. So let's say uh, you get some banku with a gushi stew, right? Two sets of that is 10,000 CIFA. And I'm thinking 10,000 Ghana cities can pay for people's salary. So what is going on here? <laughs> you know what I mean? So then you are constantly trying to understand the value of what you are spending. That can be very tricky when you're making long-term financial decisions as a business, right? Now, in terms of getting yourself your airfare, accommodation, uh, trying to look for office space, recruiting people, right? It, it requires that you work with the locals. You need to find somebody here that you trust. Somebody who has at least some exposure with the Anglophone side of things and then the Francophone side of things. So they can guide you in trying to put value on what you think is expensive or what you think is affordable, or what you think is too good to be true, right? So what we got lucky, uh, maybe maybe we got prepared. So uh, Venon, who is my my friend for almost what eight years back in Ghana, he's Cameroonian, right? So when I go here, I'm like, hey Venon, I'm in French speaking Dakar. <laughs> Anybody here that I can, you know, so I can feel comfortable that he connected me to Pierre. So Pierre means Peter, right? So he connected me to Pierre. And both of them had worked at PwC in Ghana. You know, I mean, they understand money. <laughs> so I started talking more with Pierre and telling him my, my vision for the Francophone market. And then he quickly brought my attention to some of these things. So anytime I need to make a very critical decision, okay, how much do I pay a math teacher to produce content the e-campus way? This is how we pay them in Ghana. This is the value we place on them. Then he put that in perspective and said, okay, in Dakar, this is what will make sense. Negotiate in this direction. And we're able to get those things done. The teachers are happy. We are happy. We've got the results. And now it's available. So you need to find someone here. You need to find someone here. And the good thing is our brothers from the Francophone side of Africa, I respect them a lot. They put in a lot of effort to speak English. They put in a lot of effort to understand what is happening within the English speaking side of Africa. Unfortunately, uh, myself and my brothers from the English side of Africa, we tend to just ignore or subconsciously, I don't know why, like we just don't care. We just don't put in that much effort to understand what is going on in Francophone and try to speak the language. So in that sense, we have an advantage. If you stay in Ghana and you make it a conscious effort that I'm giving myself three months to find somebody here who has a Francophone background and can then help me prepare 
and understand this market before I get it, that will be your best bet. Venom was that to me. He connected me straight to Pierre, and that made my life much, much, much more easier. And the good news is Pierre ended up investing. So what happened was Pierre invested. We spent Dakar money to build eCampus Africa headquarters in Dakar. No money was spent from Accra. Can you imagine? <laughs> wow. wow. The power, clearly the power of collaboration and um, networks. And exactly. Our network, mm. our network really paid off, you know. Our network really paid off. So yeah, if you have Francophone folks in your network, please start treating them with a lot of care. You will need them. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, of course, it also means that if you have partners in other regions, it's, it's important to keep those lines of communications open um, because you never know when you're going to be leveraging on, on those relationships to expand your business or to grow your business in any way, shape or form. And, and I think that's a very important lesson. So sometimes it's not really necessarily about physical money being paid, but then just the leveraging on the currency of relationships and the currency of associations goes, goes a long way. Exactly. And then just another dimension that I think will help my brothers and sisters back in, 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 in Accra or Lagos or Nairobi, you know, um, proud to 2022, uh, my board uh, at eCampus decided that enough of this accelerator and incubator applications and running around, let's focus on the business, too much of that. Uh, majority of my board felt it was a distraction. You know, I mean, this three months accelerator here and all of that. So we were a bit very, you know, adamant in joining the other accelerator. Then we got called up by the Africa Startup Initiative Program funded by Telesel Group and then implemented by Startup Bootcamp Africatech. And guess what? The accelerator is happening in Dakar. So we're like, okay, if we are trying to enter the Francophone market, yes, we have Venon who can connect us to Pierre, but there's also an accelerator happening for three months. There's a lot more we could get from the accelerator in terms of the connections, knowing people, giving us a platform to pitch, projecting the brand, so why don't we take the accelerator program seriously, even though the board has a resolution against that? So we had an emergency board meeting, discussed it, put it into perspective, and I got approval from the board to join the accelerator. So I moved in. So in that sense, you have an ecosystem of what? 10 other startups, two of them were Senegalese, majority were Nigerian, a few were Kenyan, and myself, the, the only Ghanaian startup, being in a community trying to figure out this journey. How do we get it right here in Dakar, right? In the end, we managed to incorporate here, establish here, have an office here, have employees. And on July 6, 2022, I won't forget this day, people who speak French in 16 countries on this continent can use a product that was just a dream when I filled an exam. You know, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, okay, I don't know whether, maybe it's just destiny, it just, it just happened. So ah, it's incredible. I don't know how to express how I feel. 
it's nice. It's nice to everything coming together. All that celebrity yeah. are helping. Your connections are helping. Your your transparency because when I go, I was so transparent to Pierre. I didn't try to play or big dog. I I just accepted. That I don't know anything. I'm a baby. Hold my hand. Show me what to do. I am lost. You know what I mean? Forget you are CEO. Forget you run whatever. Forget you raise a million dollar. You are nobody here. You're just another child starting off. Be humble and get help. That really helped us. And today, at least, I'm here having an exclusive with you even before I get back to Ghana. Mercy. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, it's, it's true. You know, just understanding where you are, your business is, and being humble enough to accept that there is still space to grow is, is, such, is such an important lesson. And um, I mean, for me, if there's anything that I'll pick from this conversation, I still have a few questions though, but if there's anything I'll pick, it's just having that humility to understand that your business still has a space to go into and that space that you're going into, you have no knowledge about and being humble to accept and to learn how to navigate those waters is, is a very instructive, instructive moment. And, and I hope that um, technology entrepreneurs who are doing the listening will, 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 will take that into, into advisement. Anyway, we, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, stakeholders and, and money, but um, I, I also want to find out from you how this move has changed the business, because I'm guessing that it's not just a one-way street. I'm guessing some of the lessons you've picked up from, you know, being and opening up in Dakar has sort of influenced what the core of the business actually is. And, and I'm wondering if this is true and, you know, what you've learned from, from that process as well. Yeah, of course, of course, uh, a lot has has to change in terms of one, how you you even manage or run the organization. All of a sudden, our organogram has changed, right? All of a sudden, finance department or finance team in Accra are thinking, how do we organize the books to reflect money generated in Accra, money generated in all those 16 uh, what are francophone or French-speaking countries who would then re remit all that money to Dakar and then Dakar has to find a way to remit that to Accra. And the truth is getting money out of Dakar is almost, or Senegal is almost impossible. And it's the same for all the francophone countries because they're trying to protect the currency safer. You can't even have a dollar account here, you know what I mean? which I think is strategic to give strength to their safer. So all of us, in finance team is running all around trying to, okay, which models can we use here and there? And they are figuring it out. So all of a sudden, that aspect of the business is going to change. Again, content development is going to influence significantly. So quality control team we have in Accra who have all this experience around the English language, all of a sudden are no more relevant when you come to Francophone because they can't understand the French, yet alone do quality control on the French. So then you need to have a whole different department doing quality control on the French curriculum, the contents, you know what I mean? And even, even in your video gestures and even in the context of Senegal, where majority of the population, almost 95% are Muslim, you cannot show some things. You can't show, you know what I mean? There are rules on how people even express themselves. So all of a sudden, those dynamics are going to change and they come with costs. Right. So you, all of a sudden, a lot is changing. 
But what didn't change that remained a constant is the technology, the artificial intelligence that is able to help you identify strengths and weaknesses, right? The whole blend between accuracy and speed to help people do well at any standardized test. That didn't change. So, so far as there is no fundamental change in the technology, it means that you can scale faster. Because if you had to go change code, that becomes a problem. So that was where we felt, wow, we had built a very robust framework of foundation in terms of technology where we don't need to touch it. The only thing is to what? Localize. And translating the app itself into several languages, I told you we had done that back in 2015. So we had that experience. So all that needs to change now is more of management, structure, and then introducing things that will help you be more, I think, for the lack of work, be more organized and not seem to be all over the place. Another advantage is that this adds a lot to your valuation because all of, it, all of a sudden, your market size, which is what most investors are looking for. What's your market size? What's your market size? All of a sudden, your market size just doubled. And that's the beauty of Francophone Africa, right? These are 16 countries. They have the same currency, they speak the same language, they have the same education system, they have the same health system, they have the same banking system. Like everything is very uniform, right? And we chose Dakar because Dakar is like the, they are Ghana of the English West Africa to say, stable, you know, all the credentials we give to Ghana, you know, but politically stable, no turbulence. Senegal has that, right? So HQ in Senegal, where even the central bank of the Francophone uh, currency is, is HQ'd, gives you a very credible position to influence all the other 16 countries. Putting all of that together, you have another market size of what? 400 million people that you can reach without having to even change curriculum. Whilst with Anglophone or English speaking Africa, moving from West Africa to East Africa, you have to change curriculum. To Southern Africa, you have to change curriculum. Right? In West Africa, we are, we are advantage because of the West Africa is our mission council. So it's kind of unifies a bit, right? Where we have the likes of Nigeria, Ghana, the Gambia, Sierra and Liberia. But you go to East Africa, Kenya has their own thing going on. Uganda has their own thing going on. You go to South and South Africa, have their own thing going on. So to scale within English-speaking Africa is much more difficult than to scale in French-speaking Africa. I got to realize that in my four to five months here. And I'm like, ah, so why didn't we do this long ago? Because it's easier. <laughs> but, you know, we always put the language first, put the culture first, so we are unable to see beyond the language to see, ah, I can even grow and scale faster in this space than trying to break my head in Anglophone. Even in West Africa, despite West Africa Examination Council in the context of e-campus, when it comes to currency, it's a whole different ballgame, right? If it comes to a uh, way of doing things, it's a bit different. Nigeria has always been an example. It's a best. No, no, it's so difficult to crack that market, but they are Anglophone. 
But you move to Francophone and all of a sudden, things are centralized, systematic, similar, like what, a uniform. So when you get it right in Senegal, boom, you're in 16 countries. So my brothers and sisters out there, look, come here, man, come. Forget the language barrier, we will learn it. It's much more easier to scale across Francophone or French-speaking Africa than it is to scale with English-speaking Africa. That's, that's, that's my that's, experience that's, and my opinion. You know, anybody, anybody listening right now will probably not believe you. And I'm guessing it's important, for example, for exa- that you're speaking to us all the way from Dakar. You've actually been through it. And, and I think that's what lends it such, such credence because anybody would think, of course, it should be easier to scale in an English-speaking country. But like you said, if you look beyond the, the, the challenges of language and potentially culture, I mean, the market is there. It's just waiting to be taken. And I guess maybe we use the language and the culture as excuses, you know, to, to, to not venture for, 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 new, for new spaces to expand our businesses. Exactly. I, I, I was a victim of that. I'm not saying I knew better, but living it for five months, I realized, ah, we should have done this four years ago. But hey. It's never too late. So yeah, let's do it. And another thing is the ecosystem here, the startup ecosystem here is not as vibrant as in English speaking Africa, but they're putting a lot of effort, a lot of structures to make it as vibrant as what English speaking. Just five, six years ago, if when they were rating, you know, they have these ratings where they pick which country had most of the VC money going to normally is Nigeria, followed by Egypt, followed by Kenya, and then South Africa, and then Ghana is somewhere there. You hardly even see most of the Francophone or French-speaking countries pop up, right? Last year when they did it, Senegal was ahead of Ghana. So they are putting structures in place to catch up. And I think when this kind of reforms are happening and you are in the market when it's happening, you get to be a part of the process. You get to position yourself properly within policy so that when the scale begins to happen, you have an advantage. So this is the right time to consider expanding to Francophone Africa so that you can, you can fit in properly into their policies and you know, with all the tax breaks and all the special incentives that they are putting in to kind of beef up the ecosystem. They are doing what English-speaking Africa did maybe eight or 10 years ago, that today being an entrepreneur is like a common thing, right? That's what they are doing now. So bro and my sisters, let's come grab this. At least we have, we have an advantage because of, you know, what they used to say that uh, venture capital money speaks English. So they even have to learn English to be able to engage, you know what I mean, almost 90% of investors or VCs effectively. You have that. And they have the market. What are we waiting for? I'm already here. <laughs> all, all we need to just hit you up and then get, get the Of course, I'm ready to share. I'm ready to share. <laughs> Listeners, you are still tuning to 97.3 CTFM. This is City Trends. We're having a conversation with Cecil Nutako, founder of eCampus. And um, basically, eCampus has opened up shop in Dakar. And um, we are sharing thoughts or sharing some insights with us about what it means to 
open up a technology business um, in new markets, the pitfalls to avoid, the lessons to, you know, to be aware of, and um, you know, some of the things that you should just keep in mind as you, you look to expand your, your business. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about um, what all of this has had, like the impact it's had on revenue, but you have spoken already about um, the money side um, of, of the conversation. But one of the things that obviously I wanted to also touch on before we get into your key lessons and your key takeaways from this switch is the challenges. Um, you've touched on some, but I just wanted you to rehash some of the challenges that you faced. Um, I mean, obviously from the decision to initially make that move, making that move, establishing, and um, you know, if, if you have some insights on how you worked around them, um, it, it would be nice to, to, to get that as well. Yeah, so the very first challenge, which maybe is out of my control, is getting here in itself. You know, I would have wished I would have wished Ghana had an airline that I could just have a direct flight from uh, Kutuka straight to Dakar. Going through either Lagos or Abuja or Abidjan and all that stress just to come here is not attractive. So. Uh, those in the corridors of power, please, I beg you. We want a direct flight to these places. That's the first thing, because that can be more expensive, can be frustrating and depressing. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing is, the second challenge is that although the focus is on French, just like in Ghana, majority speak every three Ghana. We hardly speak English. This day we even have our own PG. That's what we really speak. Nobody speaks proper, proper English unless the, the setting is not an official setting. That's the reality. So here, although it's French, Senegal is predominantly Wolof. So now I have to engage people in Wolof. I'm not even done figuring out French. <laughs> I, need to, I need to figure out Wolof. Bro, because at the end of the day, your customer doesn't speak French on a daily basis. In Ghana, they speak whatever, tree or gun. That's your customer. So dealing with the officials in French, you think you are done? No. Your real customer, who's going to give you money? Those women groups who are talking to them in Wolof, that's where they can express their pain, express themselves better then you can grab the majority of the market. So that's another layer, another hidden thing that, you know, no website to highlight for you. And we go here. So then to go around that, one of the criteria was uh, anybody we recruit must speak Wolof, French, and English. So all of a sudden, we are making it almost impossible for us to get people to employ. So that means you're going to spend more money, invest more time to get the right people to meet this reality. We're lucky we got all the, all the three people we have now speak all three languages fluently. So that's one. The next thing is, you know, some of the structures here are very different. You know, in Ghana, you go to the Registrar General Department, you do your incorporation. We also have this foreigners thing, right? Where you have to do some GIPC thing, you know, 
it's, it's quite similar here, but in Ghana, you don't need to show your lease agreement and then have your local metropolitan assembly verify that lease before you incorporate. You see? Here, until you can show a lease agreement of a year or two, you are not being incorporated. So that, that the cost of incorporating is a bit higher. So yes, you do that before you can even have a bank account. So there's an upfront cost of incorporation. And that's because of how their laws are and how their KYCs work. So that's another thing that you need to put at the back of your mind. That is, you know, you're gonna, you can just come incorporate, yeah, use an, an address and you're fine. No, here it's a bit different. Then the, the final thing I'll touch on will be around, so this will be specific to eCampus, will be around curriculum, you know? You would think that mathematics is mathematics. That's what we used to think, oh, anyway, mathematics, mathematics. no, mathematics. <laughs> they have, there's a little bit of how it's being taught and there's a little bit of changes in how the curriculum is structured because of the society they are trying to build. So you need to, to get the best of the best of teachers. And sometimes you need to even talk to the, how do you call it, the, the authorities and see when are there going to be changes. So what we found out was they have a, a pattern that every decade they review curriculum across the entire system. So we are here and then the next time that review is going to be happening will be, I think, six years from now. So we have six years to try and make as much out of this current structure or current content or curriculum before we spend money again to do the next one for review. This kind of things help you plan, budget, so you are not taken by surprise. So those are the few things I would, I would touch on. Maybe when I come back to Accra, we can have a longer conversation, but those are important. So especially looking at education, look at how heavily it's even regulated. So imagine FinTech, imagine health tech. So let me just leave it like that. <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly, lots of food for thought as well. Um, and and I, I, I do hope, you know, those who are listening, who are looking at expanding into new markets will, will, will take you. So, I mean, as, as we wrap up on the conversation, so, so I'm now, you know, you're live in Dakar. You know, what's, what's next for eCampus? What's, what's the next frontier for eCampus? You've broken the country barrier um, clearly means a lot more is to come. So walk us through what we should expect from eCampus. Oh, okay, so um, it's still the same old blueprint. So the, the blueprint has always been to scale using localization. Uh, yeah, we, we borrowed that from Mark Zuckerberg, right? Because we saw the impact localization did to Facebook it was a huge, you know, impact in terms of growth. So we have always had our blueprints. I think the blueprint was adopted and approved by the board in 2019 that we're gonna be scaling through localization. And of course, French was the first. So we're probably gonna be here for 24 months straight to try and make things you know, run by themselves, put it on autopilot. 
And then the next destination for me would be Maputo. I was there in 2015. I think it's a great place. So we moved to Maputo. Then we can do the Portuguese side of things, which would then uh, give us influence over Angola and all those other places. Well, we're going to repeat the same experiment and then uh, have Portuguese done. And hopefully when that is done, we could then decide whether to do Cairo or Tunis to get Arabic done, you know, and then maybe come back to, um, how do you call it? Uh, oh, my favorite island in Tanzania. Uh, there's a name for it, right? Probably come there and do the Swahili and then see if we can go into, uh, how do we call it, uh, Cape Verde and Co. to try and do the Spanish. So from what I'm saying, you could see Clay that back in 2015, the seven languages that we released eCampus in, we're just trying to work backwards. We already threw it out there in 2015 that were in seven languages. And then we realized that no, we have to go through a much more complex process to build content in context to make those the app in those languages valuable or relevant or even sellable. So in six years after that, we've learned that the hard way and we have tried that with French and it works. So we're gonna use that same blueprint to now do the Portuguese, the Swahili, the Arabic, the Amharic for the Ethiopian market, you know, and then Spanish, to then see how that could make eCampus more of a, a multilingual, a multinational, a multi-currency startup. And hey, who knows, that could put Ghana on the map. And then, yeah, we could eventually achieve our ultimate goal of helping learners across uh, the world learn smarter, become employable, and attain prosperity. So yeah, it's the same blueprint, just that, you know, there's no straight road to it. It's pathless. You need to keep going left, right, up, down, center, till you figure it out. So that's the journey on which we are. And anyone who wants to help us, anyone who is interested in joining or being a part or partner as, or even investing uh, in eCampus on this incredible journey, uh, we are available. I always used to say my phone number is public. Uh, my email is public, reach out, go to our website, ecampus.com, ecampus.camp. Uh, if you speak French, the French version is there, reach out to us. And let's see how we could create something impactful uh, from Africa to the world. Yeah. Definitely from Africa to the world. Definitely from Africa to the world. So it's, it's always a pleasure to, to sit and talk and thank you for and thank you for sharing these insights with us. And congratulations to yourself and the rest of the eCampus team as well for, for opening up the space um, in, in faraway Dakar and looking forward to expanding into some other African countries as well. We wish you and the rest of the team all the very best. And um, yeah, when, when you do get back home, let's, let's sit and, and, and have a chat. Merci. So right now I have two homes. So when I do get back to my other home, <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. I believe Merci so. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Merci. I believe so. Au revoir. Well, listen. Au revoir. Au revoir. You heard this news there. He's the founder of eCampus. Um, and um, they recently opened up shop in Dakar. And uh, he has been sharing with us some of the lessons that he's picked up over the period. 
and um, for especially for technology entrepreneurs who are looking at expanding their businesses into new countries, new territories. Um, I do hope some of the things that he shared are thought-provoking enough and will actually push you um, to, to be adventurous in opening up into new spaces. You never know. It could be the salvation for your business. Um, it's been a pleasure coming your way. My name, as always, Philip Ashon. A big thank you to the production team. A big thank you to Cecil, of course, um, for uh, making time to join me on the show. And a big thank you for, to you for doing the listening as well. The show is available as a podcast first thing tomorrow. So please make sure you look out for it and take a listen and share with a friend as well. My name is Philip Ashon once again. Till next week, stay tuned.